0: Uh, Tonight, we are continuing our study on watchmen and what it means to be a watchman for the Lord. And if you remember from a couple weeks ago, we saw how these watchmen that were mentioned in Ezekiel uh, provide a good picture of what God asks us to do. Danger is coming, and it's danger from the Lord because because His judgment is coming to the lost world, and so they're in danger. And because we know that danger is coming, it's our duty as God's watchmen to warn people about that coming danger so they have an opportunity to respond. And we talked about how we warn them is by simply sharing the gospel with them. And last week, Zach showed us our need to have the right perspective if we want to be good watchmen. And that concept was, was actually a pretty simple one. Uh, we just need to see lost people the way God sees them. Rather than looking at lost people and, and just seeing people who annoy us or people who are in our way in traffic, We should see them as lost souls, like God sees them. We should see them as lost souls on their way to an eternity in hell separated from God if they don't get saved. That's important, because if we can learn to see people from that perspective, we'll be more likely to recognize opportunities to share the gospel with them and invest in their lives. Well, tonight, we're going to look at a passage that shows us why we should be motivated to do that. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5, if you haven't already. And this is probably a passage you've read numerous times if you've been around here for a while. But just because we've read this passage a lot, that doesn't mean that we really understand how important this passage can be for our lives. Tonight's message is a pretty simple one, but what Paul describes for us here very specifically is the job that God gave us to do and why we should do that job. So let's read 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17-21. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so like I said, most of us have read these verses multiple times. I'm pretty confident at least a chunk of that is is a memory verse from from our discipleship lessons. Uh, So you might even have most of what I just read memorized. But don't miss the incredible motivation this passage can provide us for life and for ministry. Obviously, we're talking about the ministry of winning people to the Lord. That's sort of the theme of this entire series. The ministry of reconciling people back to Him. And again, we obviously do that by sharing the gospel with them, providing an opportunity uh, for them to accept God's gift of salvation, by letting them know that gift's available to them, and by telling them how they can accept it for themselves. Well, that's a job that Jesus gives us to do. And he makes us his ambassadors, his representatives to the lost world. But let's be careful not to miss the things Paul mentions here so that, uh, that, that should serve as our motivation for actually doing what Jesus asked us to do. Sure, it should be enough that the God of the universe asks us to share the gospel, shouldn't it? But man, we're stinking selfish humans, and sometimes we need a little extra motivation. And if we're careful to examine this passage, we'll find that motivation. Uh, So let's start breaking this passage down by looking at the first point, your new man. And that's what we see in verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so this verse just highlights for us what life should look like for you if you are in Christ. So, what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, That's pretty simple, and you can see it in your notes. You are in Christ if you're saved. And that's really all there is to it. And we can see that if we look at Romans 3.24, which says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So redemption is in Christ Jesus. So if, if you're in Christ, you've been redeemed. You've been justified freely by his grace. We see a similar idea in Romans 8. Verses 1 and 2, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So again, if you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for you, because you've been set free from your sin, and you no longer have to pay the penalty for that sin. You no longer have to fear judgment for it because Christ took that judgment on himself. That's why if you're saved, if you're in Christ, you're free from the law of sin and death because he's paid that for you and taken care of it. Jesus Christ has fixed that for you. Praise the Lord. But Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So when you put your faith and trust in Jesus you become his child. When you're in Christ Jesus, you're his son. And you get to rest safe and secure in that because Jesus Christ is the source of life. So if you've given your life to Christ, he's given you new life. And that's, wh- and that's why you can know that you're a new creature. Uh, I put it in your notes this way. Because you're in Christ, you're a new creature with new life. And we can know that because of what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and also in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty two says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So yes, we have these sinful fleshly bodies that are still plagued by sin. Uh, none of us are perfect. We all know that. These bodies will die someday. But when you got saved, something happened inside of you. You were given new spiritual life. And the Bible calls this your new man. And so that's this point. Point number one is your new man. Colossians three nine through ten, we can see this new man. Uh, it says, "Lie not one to another." Uh, verse nine says, "Yeah, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds." Verse ten and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So you still have your old man, but now you have this new man. But the good news is your old man is technically dead. Romans six six through seven says, "Knowing this that our old man is crucified with him." That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. So, your old man is, is dead, and because he's dead, we don't have to serve our sin anymore. Again, praise the Lord. But we don't always act like that's true, do we? Uh, sometimes we end up serving our sin anyways, but when we do, we have to recognize that's our choice, because we're not bound to sin anymore now that our old man is dead and, and our new man is alive. We, we certainly act like our old man is dead, or isn't, isn't dead to sin because we continue to serve sin. But that's why Romans 6 tells us in verse 11 that likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let not sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. So we have to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. And that just means we have to realize that fact is true and, and live like it. Because knowing something's true is is different than acting like something's true, and that's why we not only need to know that our old man is crucified and we're not bound to sin, we have to live like it. Because it's only when we stop living our old sinful life that we can start living our new spiritual life for the Lord. And this passage in Romans 6 goes on in verse 13, it says, "...neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God." as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. So it's only because we have this new life in Christ, this new man, that we're capable of being used by the Lord as his instruments. Before he gave us new life, our old life was worthless. It wasn't capable of serving him. It wasn't capable of growing in a relationship with him. And that's really what we're talking about when we're discussing being God's watchman. We're talking about being used by the Lord. We're talking about yielding ourselves as instruments for his righteousness so that we can share the gospel. We're talking about God using us as his representatives, his mouthpiece, to share the gospel with people who need it. Well, it's only possible because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He made a way for us to have a relationship with him, and he made it possible for us to be used by him. That's why Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. There's that phrase again, in Christ. uh, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So if if you're saved, you've successfully traded your old, worthless, sinful life for Christ's new life. And you have that new life in Christ. Not only is this new life eternal, but it's also capable of serving the Lord and accomplishing something that can last for eternity. So keep that in mind as we get to point two, your new ministry. And we can see this new ministry mentioned in verse 18. Uh, Verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So he's given us the same ministry that resulted in us being reconciled to him. Now it's our job to reconcile others to him. That's our ministry. That's the job he's given us to do. And it's important to understand as Christians that our job isn't just to live the right way and do the right things. Contrary to what you see people believing and thinking and, and preaching uh, in, in different churches and in different uh, religions, like the goal isn't just to be a good person who does the right thing. The ministry of reconciliation is a very specific job He's given us to do. And reconciliation is a big word that just means bringing together two things that were once at odds. So our ministry of reconciliation is doing what we know to do in order to bring lost people into a relationship with Christ. And you can't just do that by doing good things. You should do good things, but you should do those good things with the intention of seeing lost people reconciled to God and seeing Uh, You and your life communicate through your testimony what God did in your life. Because you've been given a great thing when God gave you new life in Him. And your new ministry is helping others get that same new life that you've been given. Think about it. The only reason you have that new life is because someone else took their ministry of reconciliation seriously. You wouldn't have known what you needed to do to be saved if someone else hadn't told you. And now it's your job to be that person for someone else. Amen. After all, our sin resulted in us being the enemies of God. We were all there at one point or another in our past. But God's reconciled us through the gospel. Colossians 1 explains this in verses 21 through 20 or 20 through 22. It says, "And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself," By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Romans 5 tells us something similar in verse 10. It says, For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So man, clearly, if you're saved, you've been reconciled. You were once at odds with the Lord, but now you can have a personal relationship with Him. And yes, that's only possible because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, and you had to accept that free gift to make it your own. And we should thank God for every day for that gift. But man, never forget that God used a person to communicate that to you. Maybe it was a friend or family member. Maybe it was a pastor or other church leader, leader whether during a sermon or a personal conversation. Maybe it was a camp counselor. Maybe it was a total stranger. Maybe it was multiple people. But the fact remains, God used someone in your life who took the ministry of reconciliation seriously to share with you what you needed to know to get saved, and then you responded to it. And so, man, now that you're reconciled, your job is to go do that same thing in someone else's life. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, and that plays out in two specific things that you do in your life. First, letter A, you pray for the lost. And it should go without saying that you and I, we have no real ability to save people. But I said it anyways, because sometimes we forget that. Obviously, God is the only one with the power to save people. He's the one who made the payment on the cross to pay for sins. So our primary job in, ministry, in our ministry of reconciliation, is just praying to God on their behalf, begging him to work in people's lives and change their hearts so they can understand who he is, asking him to put a desire in their hearts to want to know the truth of God's word and apply it to their life. 1 Timothy 2 explains this. Verse 1 says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And if you jump down to verse 4, says, who will have all men to be saved. God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Man, please never forget that God wants everyone to be saved. No matter how evil or wicked they might seem, God wants them to be reconciled to him. And so we ask him to save people. We ask him to make himself apparent to them so they'll be ready to hear and believe the gospel when it's spoken to them. Never underestimate the importance of praying for lost people, because when you pray for them, you're recognizing your need for the Lord to intervene in their life, and you're simply asking him to do that. But not only that, the more time you spend praying for the lost, the more aware you're going to be of opportunities when they come along. But our ministry of reconciliation doesn't stop with just praying for the lost. The second job we have to do is letter B. You represent Christ to them. That's why we're called his ambassadors down in verse 20. It's our job to represent him when he's not here. And we do that by letting people know how they can be reconciled to him. But representing Christ doesn't only mean we speak for him. That's true, but but there's more to it than that. 1 Peter 2 describes this job of, of being Jesus' ambassadors. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So yes, taking the ministry of reconciliation seriously, involves doing the right things. It involves living in a way that demonstrates your praises of him. Because you've been reconciled, you've been called out of darkness and into light. So we shouldn't be living in darkness anymore. We should be living in light so that when people see our lives, they can see the change that Jesus provided. If you want to take this job seriously, you can't, you can't just keep living the same way that you've always lived. It's now your job to live intentionally so that your life and your actions communicate some things to lost people. We talked about communication in the relationship series and how communication isn't just spoken. Everything you say and everything you do is communicating something to someone. So man, be intentional about that. Make sure you're communicating the right things. And you should be communicating that Jesus Christ has changed and reconciled you because he has. And if people don't see that, they're they're not getting the whole story. And as they see your changed life, they'll be confronted with the fact that their life can be changed as well if they become reconciled the same way you have. Showing people with what you do, man, that's your new ministry. But like I said, just living the right way is not enough. People should see you're different, but they also have to understand why you're different, and they need to know how they can be different as well. And that's where sharing the gospel comes in, and that's point number three, your new message. Um, And hopefully this this is obvious, uh, but but our new message that needs to be shared is the gospel. And we, we can see how important that is in verse 19 of Second of Corinthians five. It says, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So not only has he given us the ministry of reconciliation, he's also committed to us the word of reconciliation. And so while your ministry is what you do and how you live, your message or your word, that's what you say. You need both of those things. You have to do the right things and you have to say the right things. And we've been given a very specific word that needs to be spoken into people's lives. Our, our attempts at reconciling others to Jesus can't just stop at praying for them. Though prayer for the lost is involved in your ministry. We talked about that. Our attempts at reconciling others to him can't stop at living intentionally to show them how Jesus changed you. That's definitely a part of your ministry. We talked about that too. No, our attempts at reconciling others must include speaking the gospel to them because that's what's going to help them understand everything else. Uh, Paul makes this abundantly clear in Romans chapter 10. We looked at this passage a couple weeks ago. Verse 13 says, "...for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." But verse 14, man, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So if we want to see people saved in our lives, if we want to see people saved as a result of our ministry, well, we have to tell them about Jesus and what he's done for them. How can we expect them to believe in him if we never tell them about him? And this is the word that must be communicated. And Jesus committed that word to us meaning he doesn't ask other people to do that. Uh, He only asks the people who are saved to share that news. He doesn't ask angels to do it. He's committed it to us because it belongs to us. So if we don't share it like we're supposed to, well, it's not going to get shared with the people who need to hear it. And if the people who need it don't hear it, well, they can't get saved because they haven't heard the word. They don't have an opportunity to respond to it if they don't understand it or know it. And that's all because we're not doing our job. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So sharing God's word, which he's committed to us, I mean, that's necessary for people to come to know Christ. Like I said, God's angels aren't going to share it. He's committed it to us. So if we don't share it, it doesn't get shared. And if it doesn't get shared, people don't get saved. And if people don't get saved, man, what are we doing? Why are, why, are we still, why are we still here if, if, if we're not sharing the gospel and redeeming the time we have left to see people come to know Christ before it's too late, before the judgment comes, before that danger that we're supposed to be warning everybody of comes? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Of course, people we share the gospel with can, can reject the truth we share. Well, then they end up in hell because they reject the truth, and there's nothing we can do about that. That's between them and the Lord. But man, the people who die and go to hell because they never heard the gospel, man, there's something we could have done about that. And it shouldn't sit well with us to know that there's people that we could share the gospel with and we just choose not to for whatever reason. That shouldn't sit well with us, knowing what the Bible says about their eternal destiny. Uh, Man, we should do everything we can to make sure that doesn't become a reality. Obviously, it's not up to us. It's up to them. but, But we have to do our job to let them know what they need to do. And because of that, Man, the gospel should be something that we can't help but speak. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, Jeremiah says, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Man, Jeremiah couldn't help but, but speak the word of God because it was in his heart. Like Zach talked about last week, we have to see people the way God sees them. And lost people are on their way to hell. But we also have to understand that Jesus gave us the job of intervening in their lives and giving them the opportunity to respond to the gospel. And that only happens if we choose to share his message with them. So remember what he did for you, use that as your motivation. Look to him or look to help him accomplish that in the lives of others because he used someone to do that in your life. That's just the job he's given us to do. That's the job he's given to us. Uh, that's what Paul gets at in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. He says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. So God beseeches others by you, but only if you let him. And he has to, and he has to use you to do that, because Jesus Christ isn't here right now. You're in his stead, because you're here instead of him. That's why God's given us that ministry. That's why he's committed his word of reconciliation to us. Jesus isn't on the planet to preach anymore, but man, he has a body and he has preachers. Sometimes we don't, sometimes we don't choose to preach the gospel, but man, we're here and we should, we, should, we should do our job. Now we have to share it because if we don't, who will? And look, I get it. Sharing the gospel can be difficult. It can be an intimidating thing. Uh, to to think about having to do, yes, it's our job, and if we don't do it, no one's going to, but that doesn't mean God expects us to do it alone. Uh, Remember, Jesus left us the Holy Spirit to help, um, and he left you your church to help too. But specifically, the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Uh, Remember John 14, Jesus tells his disciples uh, in verses 16 through 18, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And so the Holy Spirit is with you and he has some very specific jobs in your life that can be a big help to you. For example, later on in John 14 in verse 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. So, man, we have to be prepared to share the gospel, but we should be encouraged that we don't have to do that alone. God gave us his word, and he gave us the Holy Spirit, and he gave us our church. And with those three things, man, God can use anybody who will let him. And so, if you feel underprepared to share the gospel, man, be encouraged you have the Holy Spirit. Spend more time in God's word, because the more time you spend in his word, the more apt you're going to be to share his word with others. Go through discipleship. Learn the basic truths of God's word. Go through MTT. We have a whole class on practical evangelism and what it means to be a more effective evangelist. Man, we don't have to do this alone. And so, man, with with all those things combined with, with God's church, his Holy Spirit, and his word, God can use anybody who will let him. And that includes you and me. So, man, let's just do that. Let's just focus on doing what God asks us to do because of the example Christ gave us. And as we wrap up tonight, make sure you don't miss Jesus' sacrifice for you. Paul hints, hits on that in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5. He says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Man, Jesus humbled himself enough to live a human life free of sin. The only person who will ever accomplish that. The only human being who will ever accomplish that. But he didn't just do it because he's better than us. He is better than us. But he did that so he could become sin for us. That's what it took to make a way for us to be made the righteousness of God. Jesus sacrificed so much more than his life for you and for me. He sacrificed his dignity for us as God of the universe so our sins could be paid for. And that sacrifice results in us having a way to obtain eternal life with him if we just understand and accept the gospel. But, but being the righteousness of God doesn't just stop with, with him giving us a relationship that we previously had no hope of having. That's a great thing. But he's also given us this job to do. And we have to understand what he sacrificed for us and let that motivate us to do the job he gave us to do. Man, not only... Did he make a way for you to have a relationship with him? But, but he also put someone in your life to tell you about that gift. He put someone in your life to share the gospel with you so you had the opportunity to accept it. And now he just asks the same thing of you. But he gives us Jesus to look to as an example. Uh, Paul does it in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. He said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Man, if Jesus was willing to be obedient unto death, I think it's reasonable that God expects us to get a little out of our comfort zone and, and tell people about what he did. I think it's reasonable that God expects that level of obedience from us. Like we saw last week, we owe it to lost people to share the gospel with them so they have the same chance to respond to it that you had when you got saved. But at the end of the day, we also owe it to Jesus, don't we? Man, he sacrificed himself and, and died for those lost people that, that, that were too busy to share the gospel with. I mean, when, when you got saved, you confessed that Jesus was the Lord of your life. You effectively told him that you were trading your life for his. And now because you told him that, Doesn't he have the right to expect you to do what what he asks you to do? And like we've been talking about, he asks you to share the gospel. But not only does he ask you to do it, he also provides the example of obedience in seeking reconciliation for others. He died brutally on the cross to make reconciliation possible for you and for me. He doesn't ask most people to do anything remotely similar to that, but he does ask you to pray. He does ask you to represent him, and he asks you to share the gospel to make reconciliation possible for others. Personally, I think that's a reasonable request. Paul would agree with that. Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Man, tonight, can we just commit to being obedient? Can we just commit to seeing people the way God sees them? And can we commit to being Christ's ambassadors to the lost world by sharing his gospel with them, and living in a way that demonstrates it in their life. Because that's what it means to be God's watchman. And if we want to watch with motivation, that's the title of tonight's message. Man, I think Jesus gives us all the motivation we need. He went well out of his way for us. We can go out of our way for others. Let's pray. God, I thank you, um, man, for just how clear your expectations are for us and your word every week. Um, Man, so many people sit around wondering, uh, you know what is God? What does God say? What does God want from my life? And and spend years trying to figure that out when all they have to do is open your book, um, man. You you tell us what you want from our lives and, and you tell us what your expectations are. And so we're thankful for that. Um, and we're at the end of the day, Lord, we're we're grateful that you've trusted the ministry of reconciliation to us. We're we're thankful you've committed the word of reconciliation to us. Uh, we we recognize you could have picked any method you wanted to to sharing the gospel with people who need to hear it. Um, but man, you picked us. And so in that way, we get to be a part of, of your plan and a part of building your kingdom and a part of seeing people uh, come to know you for who you are as a result of our lives. Um, Lord, we just pray that we would take that seriously. We pray that you continue to motivate us um, each and every week, each and every day, to just see people and see opportunities uh, to share your gospel. And Lord, I pray for fruit. I pray that as a result of uh, us trying to be faithful and trying to be obedient to, to the Great Commission and to being your watchman, um, I pray we'd see fruit. I pray that uh, as a result of, of what you're doing through in and through us, then um, we'd see a difference made in eternity, and we'd see people there who wouldn't be there if, if you hadn't chosen to use us to share the gospel. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.